The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1974, Part 2. In this episode, we will cover March 31st through May 22nd. On Sunday, March 31st, With no recordings planned at the Burbank Studios, John spends the day relaxing by the pool and, later in the evening, holds the second of his Sunday night music jam sessions at his beach house. Those in attendance include Paul. Let's do a 12-part harmony to stand by me. Alongside the two former Beatles, John on guitar, Paul on drums, and both often sharing vocals, are Linda, Stevie Wonder, Jesse Ed Davis, and others. Let's not get too serious, we're not getting paid. We ain't doing nothing but sitting here together. There was nothing wrong with it. And now it's like we've got muffles on. Anybody else get the same thing? It changed like... Like somebody started getting serious. Yeah, yeah. I do have uh, more fun in here and forget about it there. It's got all sort of dead. Dead in the earphones. You know, like dead. Dead, man. Look, yeah, let's not get too serious, Gary. Hands up who doesn't know stand by me. Arm in the air. Okay, okay. We all know it, right? Just turn the fucking vocal mic up. McCartney's doing the harmony on the drums. Stevie might get on it there if he's got a mic. Alright, alright. That's a, just like more vocal, treble. Still dead in 
the earphones. Just, just one ear's on now. Before it got serious, I could hear everything. I can't hear a fucking thing. Hello? Hello? Come on, you know, darling, darling, stand by me. But we can't do it with no fucking voices. I can hear plenty of bass, plenty of organ, plenty of guitar. I can't hear hardly any of my voice, only in one ear. What? What? I jammed with Paula. I did actually play with Paula. We did a lot of stuff in LA. Well, there was 50 other people playing too, and they're all just watching me and Paul. You know? <laughs> Can you hear me in the control room? The mic was good two hours ago. And they heard me shouting, they thought it was too loud, so they turned it down. So don't worry about distortion. Oh, yeah. You don't have to change just put it back where it was. It's a good mic. Yeah, we did, we did. I was at a session, and John was at a session, but it was a, such a mad session. That um, I think what we did was jammed, and uh, there was a lot of people in the room. And I've no idea where the tape is. We were together at a session. It wasn't kind of official, but someone switched the tape on when we were jamming. Hmm. So we did actually record together. But I say I haven't heard it since. Oh. I would like to, please. Who's got a mic besides me? Come on, somebody join in. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See 
better if we think it's a song, right? And somebody tell me vocal like that. As John jammed with Paul into the morning hours of April 1st, Ringo, Keith Moon, and Harry Nielsen were raising hell in L.A. I don't drink anymore. The alcohol-fueled threesome found themselves getting into trouble. I don't drink any less. They had even gotten banned from Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion after being unruly and damaging an interior railing. And here he is, that well-known star of stage screen in the rainbow, Mr. Keith Moon! That's Harry for Keith! That's uncommonly decent, dear boy. You said that extremely well. Thank you. I've been taking talking lessons. Oh, really? Yes. Well, my teeth fixed, now my lips don't work. Oh, 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 oh. Well, you Could see, you this with your beard? isn't working. It's I can work. tell from the start that it's not work. working. Just work. A wonderful track. What? It isn't working. Wouldn't say a word against the track. No, I wouldn't. It's it all up. your friends, isn't it? Do I know any? Who's on this track? Do I know anybody? Most of them. Oh, good. Um, Are you going to tell me who they are? Well, there's Mr. Danny Cooch. Danny Cooch. Mr. Jesse Davis. Jesse and uh, our German friend, Klaus Bormann. Klaus. Mephis Miegelhagen, Flaggenbugel. And uh, Van Dyke Park. Van Dyke, you know, I love your underpants. Uh, Mr. Harry Nielsen. Harry, not Harry Nielsen, the real Harry Nielsen. You've got the real no, not Harry Nielsen on your record. No, the blow up. God, you're so lucky. It's the, uh, jump. Oh, and you've got Jim Keltner too, Jim, have you? Oh, yes, I've got Jim Keltner too. <laughs> I'm not even here. Six box tops. Am I in Chicago? Okay, I'll accept. Am I in Washington? My dog doesn't need meat. I'm glad. It's very expensive these days. My dog can't play pool. Why can't your dog play pool? He's got no balls. Good night. Over to you. Well, we got them laughing in the box. <laughs> Fancy wrote that joke, you know. Back at John's Beach House Jam Session, Nielsen arrived back as the sessions were winding down.
When Ringo and Moon finally made it back to John's beach house, Paul and Linda had already left. Ringo noticed that his drum kit had been played. He asked who's been playing his kit. John and the others replied that Paul had been here, and he used it. Later in the morning, early afternoon, on April 1st, Paul and Linda returned to John's beach house only to find John still in bed. Paul immediately heads for the piano and, along with Moon and Nielsen, play a variety of songs that include a medley of Beatles numbers. I remember all my life Though some have changed, some forever Not for better, some have gone on And some remain All these places have their moments With lovers and friends I still can recall Some are dead And some are living In my life I've loved them all But of all these Friends and lovers There is no one with you and these memories lose their meaning when I think of love as something new though I know I'll never lose affection for people and things that went before I know I'll often stop and think about them in my life, I love you more. Though I know I never lose affection for people and things that went before. I know I'll often stop and think about them In my life, I love you more 
Lennon awakens around 3 p.m. and joins Paul, Linda, Keith Moon, Nielsen all around the pool. Keith Moon's friend and assistant, Dougal Butler, takes Polaroid instant photos of everyone, which include Paul on piano, Keith Moon, Paul with Ringo, Paul and Linda, and the last known photo of Paul and John together by the pool. Also on April 1st in America, RCA, in association with Rappel Records, releases the soundtrack to the Apple film Son of Dracula, starring Harry Nielsen and Ringo Starr. The next day, Ringo, Harry, and Keith Moon return to the beach house for another day of sun, surf, drinking, and drugs. The Beatles' old road manager, Mal Evans, is also present. On April 3rd and 4th, sessions for Harry's Pussycats album resume at the Burbank Studios. Between visits to the Throat Doctor, Nielsen continued rehearsing and recording tracks for his producer, John. John worked endlessly producing Harry Nielsen's Pussycats album. He found it very difficult to balance the amount of drinking that was going on 
with the amount of recorded music. We were doing Save the Last Dance for Me, which he, he played me a tape of some of his songs he'd written, which there wasn't many, and also just a sort of demo tape of him singing Save the Last Dance for Me, and it was really beautiful. Take, take, ec- 387801, plus five. If you're all alone 
On April 4th, Paul and Linda dropped by Beach Boy member Brian Wilson's Bel Air home. Hearing Brian inside the house, the McCartneys try for an hour to see him, but he does not answer. They leave disappointed. On April 8th, Apple releases in America another single from the Wings LP band on the run. It is the title track.
In America, the single is backed by the track 1985, also from the Band on the Run LP. Wings established themselves as winners with a number of tunes from the Band on the Run album. The next single success story was the title track, hitting the Billboard charts just in time to battle it out with Jeff. It was a sensation of late 1973 and early 1974. Band on the Run climbed to number one on the American LP chart three separate times. Each time a single was released. Jet and Band on the Run were 45 releases in both the U.S. and U.K. While Paul McCartney and Wings singles are released and climbing up the charts, John's son Julian is celebrating his 11th birthday today, April 8th. For Julian's birthday, John sent to England a present of two electric guitars. Julian sent this message of thanks back to his dad. Dear Dad... Thank, dear Dad and, uh, sorry, dear Dad and Yoko, thank you for the present you have given me for my birthday. I don't know what to say, and I thank you very much. And I hope to hear from you soon on your recorder. Love, Julian. Bye-bye. Keep listening. And here's some music from... Um, some of your albums on the other side and this side after. Over. On the eleventh birthday. What guitar were you given? Do you recall? It was. Uh, I still have it locked away somewhere, which I'll eventually bring it out and put it on the wall or something. Or I might play it. I don't know. It was a Les Paul copy, a black one uh, with pearl inlay. I think it might have had some writing inscribed on it. It had a mirror on it. <laughs> a mirror. A mirror. A fake ruby. And all these weird things stuck to it. <laughs> and it was great. It was really nice. And then I think at the same time he sent me a Les Paul, um, no, a Gibson Melody Maker, short neck Melody Maker, very rare. Well, I think they are. I haven't seen too many of them. So it's a funny, awkward little guitar, but it's, uh, it's quite beautiful. Um, that's also somewhere locked away. On April 9th, John records a phone-in interview with Capital Radio in England, with the program Your Mother Wouldn't Like It with DJ Nicky Horn. The next day, John and May Pang move out of the beach house and move into a home in Santa Monica. The home was once owned by actor Peter Lawford. With the move to Santa Monica, John tried to sober his actions. That's when I straightened out. That's when I realized there's something wrong here. <laughs> you know, this is crazy, man. So then I suddenly was the straight one in the middle of all these mad, mad people. I suddenly was not one of them. You know? The Pussycats recording sessions continued at Burbank Studios on the 10th and the 11th. Lennon was trying to bring that sobriety to the studio and become a proper producer. And yes, he was a good producer. The way I produce is to, you know, I encourage the players. And that's what he did. He encouraged me and smile when it was good and didn't smile when it wasn't good. And he encouraged all the players and talked to them over the microphone. You know, more linguini on the strings, you know, and all that stuff. One, One two, two.
On April 14th, just before midnight, Ringo appears as a guest on Flo and Eddie's Sunday night radio phone-in show on a small Pasadena-based radio station, KROQ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here! This is KROQ-FM Pasadena, owned and operated by Burbank Broadcasting Company. KROQ-FM operates on an assigned frequency of 106.7 megahertz with an effective radiated power of 25,000 watts horizontal and 25,000 watts vertical as authorized by the Federal Communications Commission, Washington, D.C. Our studios are located at 99 South Chester Street, Pasadena, and our transmitter is located high atop Flint Peak. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to K-Rock in Stereo. Thank you. He arrived with Keith Moon. Both drummers seemed to be intoxicated. During the first 90 seconds of the show, Ringo uses the F word 14 times. This behavior is followed by complaints to the FCC, which in turn fires the producer and Flo and Eddie from the show. Meanwhile, back in Liverpool, a small crowd gathers on Matthew Street to witness an unveiling of a statue of the Beatles, erected above the new Cavern Club site. The sculptor, Liverpool's own Arthur Dooley, who has been well known for his work mainly in religious settings, created the statue that features a Madonna holding three babies with the fourth, presumably Paul, flying away. A plaque underneath reads, Four Lads Who Shook the World. Back in L.A., an intoxicated Ringo and Keith Moon tried getting onto an episode of TV's Happy Days, according to Ron Howard. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. Thursday, Friday, Happy Days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums, ready to race to you. Howard remembers the time they came down to Paramount Stage 19 to meet the cast. He recalls, neither one of them were probably in much shape to remember the experience. Goodbye, gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right. All we had was some beer and teeny weeny glasses. How many teeny weeny glasses did you have? 72. They were the wilderness years, which Ringo readily admits. They actually wanted to be in a scene. Henry Winkler, 
Henry Winkler and I were desperate to get them on film, but it couldn't possibly be in the episode, he went on to tell Billboard. Everything stopped and the assistant director tried to keep rehearsal going, but Henry Winkler and I said to him, get the F out of here, we'll catch up later. Now I want you to get lost, all right? Yeah, I knew it. I knew I would hurt your feelings. Then we turned to Ringo and Moon and said, Anyway, how are you guys? Nice meeting you. <laughs> Susie, it's time to go. Come on. This isn't the first time that Ron Howard and Henry Winkler caught up with a Beatle. Last year, during the season premiere, John Lennon brought his son Julian to see the cast. Here's Henry Winkler, who played the Fonz. All of a sudden, John Lennon just came to visit and he brought with him Julian. Hey, Julian, who looks the same. It's amazing. What? And he, he was so, um, he was so uh, um, shy. And I, didn't, and I didn't know how to get into a conversation with John Lennon. Yeah. And then I just started talking about his, the uh, Imagine, that, the album that he made, solo right. album. And there is a cut on it called Mother, which is like a primal scream. Yes. And I started talking to him about that, and he opened like a flower. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Back in New York on April 19th, Yoko Ono makes her second solo performance on The Mike Douglas Show. Again, she is backed by the Elephant's Memory Band. She performs the track, Shirankata. On April 20th, Beatles reunion rumors continue to dominate the music press around the world. Rumors suggest that John, Paul, George, and Ringo are all gathered for a business meeting at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in Los Angeles. Of course, these rumors are just that, rumors. On April 26th, back in England, the McCartneys hold more auditions for a new drummer at the Albany Theater in St. Martin's Lane, London. From about 50 hopefuls, Paul chooses Jeff Britton. Okay, here we go. Simpler. Well, blue moon of Kentucky, keep on shining. Shine on the one that's gonna left me blue. You give me funny looks, Jeff. But blue moon of Kentucky.
Amber, why did I dream about you last night? Did you? I don't know. Maybe you were really here, were you? How could I be? We hadn't even met. Or perhaps this is all a dream. In late April 1974, Ringo realized that things were bad between George Harrison and his wife, Patty. The Harrison marriage deteriorated even further. I think the straw that really broke the camel's back was um, George had this strange thing about uh, wife swapping. One evening, the Harrisons were having dinner with the stars. Nothing could have prepared Maureen and Ringo for the announcement their old Liverpool friend made. After dinner, George was playing his guitar, and he admitted that he had a crush on Maureen, on Ringo's wife, and suggested that perhaps that they switch wives for the evening. Of course, it upset everybody greatly. As Patty Boyd writes in her book, Wonderful Tonight, she states that Ringo offered her a job, which helped take her mind off of her problems. She says, Ringo was playing Merlin the Magician in a musical comedy he made with Harry Nielsen called Son of Dracula. He asked me to take the still shots. The film was produced by Apple Films and was so bad that it was hardly ever shown. At home, Patty writes, the madness continued until one day, George, Chris O'Dell, and I went to Ringo's house, where George, in front of everyone, proceeded to tell Ringo that he was in love with his wife Maureen. Ringo worked himself up into a terrible state and went around saying, nothing is real, nothing is real. As written in her book, Patty was furious and in a fit of anger, she ran out of the room and later dyed her hair red. Oh, do trust me, Count Don. You've chosen for the best. And there is no turning back. What do you mean? Drink this. It'll be for the last time. From then on, you'll no longer be able to sustain yourself as a vampire. I've drawn your fangs. No, I can't forget this evening Or your face as you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile, but in your eyes Your sorrow shows Yes, it shows No, I can't forget tomorrow When I think of all my sorrow And I had you there, but then I let you go And now it's only fair that I should let you know Your face as you were leaving 
In Los Angeles on Saturday, April 27th, John decides that he is tired of the crazy, wild L.A. lifestyle and decides to return to New York. Accompanied by May Pang, he takes up residency at the Pierre Hotel on 61st Street and then at the St. Regis Hotel on 55th Street a few days later. Lennon tried to get away from the drunken lifestyle in L.A. and finished the Nielsen album at the record plant in New York. Nielsen followed Lennon to New York City and wound up staying with him at the St. Regis Hotel. The vocal and instrumentation tracks were complete, but the tedious mixing process, which Nielsen made more of a pain, was not. Harry doesn't know when to quit. He wants to go on and on and on mixing. Every time you mix it, he wants to do it again. So I ran away to New York with the Harry tapes. I didn't steal them. I said, Harry, you got to leave me alone to finish this. I'm supposed to be producing it. He followed me to New York. I finally had to tell him, I said, Harry, get the hell out. I want to finish this record. Black cells in the moonlight Black pants on your eyes You shiver your timbers, baby And I'll shiver mine On Sunday, April 28, 1974, with Beatles reunion nonsense whirling its way across the music press around the world, John appears briefly with Harry Nielsen at the March of Dimes Benefit Concert in New York Central Park. It's at the start of the Walkathon rally organized by the local radio station, WABC. They are joined on stage by local New York radio DJ, Cousin Brucie.
On April 28th, the idea of Beetlefest, a celebration of the Beatles' music, was conceived. Every year, thousands of Beatles fans and collectors from all corners of the globe have made the magical mystery trip to the Beetlefest conventions held during March in New York, August in Chicago, and November in Los Angeles. And uh, it's a great time. We get about between five and 7,000 people to every show. Beatles fan Mark Lapidus, who founded Beetlefest back in 1974. Fans come from all over the country. In fact, uh, for the L.A. show, we got uh, quite a number of fans from uh, the Orient, from Australia, from... Tokyo, from Hawaii, from all over. So what's the Lennon connection, other than his once being a Beatle, of course? Well, Mark says the very first Beatle fest may not have happened at all, were it not for a little help and encouragement from John. Lapidus hatched the idea for a fan convention in the spring of 74. Growing up in River Edge, New Jersey, he'd been a fan since the Fabs conquered the colonies a decade earlier. In fact, during summer 1969, after earning a mathematics degree from Long Island's Adelphi University, Mark had made the great pilgrimage across the Atlantic to Apple's headquarters. Lapidus even got to meet Lennon at Three Savile Row and credits that brief but unforgettable encounter with altering the course of his life. Forget the math degree. Mark decided to somehow find a career in the music business. And within a few years, he was indeed in the biz, working on the retail record end. The end of 1973, I was working at Sam Goody, a radio, I mean, a record chain in New York. And I thought that somebody should do something to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Beatles' arrival in America, 1964 to 1974. And uh, the idea of Beetlefest literally popped into my head over a dish of vanilla ice cream. And uh, I pursued it uh, after a while about thinking about it, and I sent all the Beatles letters. I hadn't heard anything from them. Then on that fateful day in April, April 28th, 1974, John Lennon and Harry Nielsen appeared live in Central Park uh, for, with Cousin Brucie, a disc jockey in New York, uh, for the March of Dimes. Lapidus was among the 100,000 or so people on hand at that event, but one of the few to speak with Lennon afterward. I found out where he was staying, uh, one of the New York City hotels, and after the uh, gig on stage, which was like about 15 minutes of speaking and talking and having a good time, I went up to his uh, suite, knocked on his door, Harry Nielsen, who has since become a real good friend to Beetlefest, uh, opened the door and I said, Hi, this is Mark Lapidus. I'd like to speak to John about Beetlefest. So he opened the door and let me in. And I sat down and a few minutes later, John came strolling in. And I told him my whole idea about Beetlefest. I want to have uh, fans gathered together to celebrate uh, a common love for the Beatles and have films and a flea market and live music and guests. And uh, his quote was, I'm all for it, I'm a Beatles fan too. And he got very excited about the, uh, the idea and uh, put me in touch with all the right people. And uh, from that moment on, uh, we got going on it. He was very excited about uh, the films uh, he could provide. He said we could get uh, dig up a copy uh, of Magic and Mystery Tour, Shea Stadium, uh, some promotional films. I also had mentioned to him that we wanted to have a charity raffle. And he told me he had a guitar uh, that he would autograph that was sitting in his attic. And uh, sure enough, uh, four months later, in September of uh, 74, when Beetlefest occurred, um, 
We got an autographed guitar from John. We got autographed drumsticks from Ringo. An autographed guitar from Paul and the tabla that George used in uh, Within You Without You from Sgt. Pepper. All autographed items for the charity the first year. That day in Central Park, I bumped into Sid Bernstein. We invited him, and he, was, so he, and he said yes. So he was the first guest announced at the first fest. There's like eight or ten different activity rooms going on, all just Beatles, nothing else. There's video rooms, flea market, live concerts. We have the best Beatles sound-alike band in America called Liverpool performing at our Beatle Fests. Uh, we have a lot of special guests lined up for this show. Um, auctions, sound-alike contests. We have a battle of the Beatle bands going on. There's a trivia contest. We have an art museum. And uh, we encourage fans to, uh, who are artists to bring their artwork to the show and uh, they can enter that uh, for a contest also. Since the beginning, the Beatle Fest conventions have drawn fans from all walks of life and more people attend each year. If anything... The interest is growing. We have not only the original Beatle fans who are coming in on uh, 40, but we have a lot of second generation fans, a lot of teenagers and college students uh, who got into the Beatles uh, f probably from their parents and from the radio stations that still play so much Beatle music. And um, we even have a lot of children coming to the show. And I know my daughter loves the Beatles. She's not unusual in that uh, age bracket. We know a lot of kids who come to Beetlefest who, who love it, who hear the music and just love it. Later in the evening on April 29th, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones is in New York at the record plant, currently mixing the Rolling Stones' new album, It's Only Rock and Roll. When John Lennon drops by and spontaneously produces Mick Jagger singing the Goffin and King song made famous in 1962 by the Crickets, Please Don't Ever Change. I kinda like you just the way you are. On Friday, May 17th, and Saturday, May 18th, 1974, John Lennon donates two days of his time acting as a guest disc jockey for the Philadelphia-based radio station WFIL's Helping Hand Marathon fundraising drive. Ah, oh, WFIL at 7:58. Banana Joe Montiola, the Helping Hand Marathon Hotline, CO3 6400, and John Lennon has joined me. Hello, John. Hello, bananas. What's happening? Oh, not too much. How are you? Ah, uh, uh, weird. Weird? Yeah, I just came from the outside to the inside, and I'm still on the air, so I don't know which way I'm facing. Hello, somebody give me a nice picture of Paul. Isn't that cosmic? <laughs> Speaking of Paul. Speaking of Paul. <laughs> yeah, he called me yesterday. He's rehearsing a band in Rye, England. In Rye? I, I think he's coming over here. I'm not sure when, though. Really? To yeah. perform? He said, I've just got a new drummer. I hope he doesn't leave. They keep coming and going. You know how those really? drummers are. <laughs> so we're going to play My Love, right? Yes, we are.
And when the cupboard's bare I'll still find something there with my love It's understood It's everywhere with my love up in a moment. George rides off with Dark Horse. Hello out there. This is George Harrison on behalf of Dark Horse Records. John puts up Walls and Bridges. That was the quickest album, fastest album ever made by him. I think it took uh, in total maybe eight weeks. Paul heads to Nashville. Are you having a good time, Dan? Yeah, that's, that's great. Dude. I like the every night. And Ringo has it all down to Goodnight Vienna. Is that Ringo Starr advertising his new album, Goodnight Vienna, on Apple Records and Tapes? It certainly is, John. Wow, you look so wonderful. Well, thank you. Next on Yesterday and Today.
information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts, Yesterday and Today, and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. (laughs) You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen or you could head to society Six dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.